get me so vexed and it get me so angry. Thunder get mad and decide to go on nasty. Drip him up and say, listen to me now. You don't know that you'll be come home early. Cool. And when you try to do for this great shelly. Cool. I throw me a woman take advantage of me. Cool. You want me neighbor them to laugh off of me. Cool. You better move out or act properly. Sometimes a man forget, cool, forget, cool, forget, cool. Sometimes a man forget, cool, forget, cool, forget. Sometimes a man forget, cool, forget, cool, forget, cool. Sometimes a man forget, cool, forget, cool, forget. Him have a girl by the name of Rosie Ooh. Tell me that no me friend named Mitzi She ran tell her who tell she ran no Beverly Behind me back the whole of them a laugh off for me Never say nothing, me just wait patiently Me know me did the catch him and him girl Rosie So one and me a wait and him Shelly Cassie Look on the clock, it a say 3.30 Jumping on me car, drive round New York City Over Whiteson Bridge at the hotel named Capri In the parking lot, say guess where me see Now my man has stole arms and arms with him lady Me jump out of the car and me drip him badly I say, you don't know you're not for cheap on me cool. I wish I do posing on your jewelry cool. I hear say she all have young belly cool. I you a minor and a tree picking it cool. I wear your minor Good morning to all our listeners on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester and Mount Vernon and to our listeners around the world logged on to QMZRadio.com and johnoradio.com. Of course, I have to say pleasant good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Thursday, July 7, Retro Thursday, hashtag TBT, Throwback Thursday, Dance Hall Days Edition. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments on Instagram, Moments with Me Media, and on YouTube, Moments with Me Media. Like, share, subscribe, and turn on your notifications. Good morning once again to all our listeners on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. And to our listeners around the world, logged on to QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. Of course, good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. And here are the headlines we have coming up for you today in international news. Alcohol. 
Italy puts 59 people on trial for the 2018 Genoa Bridge collapse. Some 300 inmates on the run after suspected Boko Haram raid on Nigeria prison. Sri Lanka is bankrupt, the Prime Minister says. Embattled UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson agrees to resign. What happens when a British Prime Minister... What happens when a British Prime Minister resigns in news out of North America? Uh, parade shooting, suspect contemplated second second shooting. And I must apologize to Clubhouse. I was on mute. On mute. Thank you so much, Rosola, for letting me know. Touch the wrong thing on my phone. But thankfully, at least everyone else was able to hear me. July 4 mass shooting thwarted in Virginia's capital. Three men plead guilty to defrauding seniors out of more than $350,000 in grandparent scam. Joe Biden reportedly exports 5 million oil barrels despite U.S. gas prices. In my opinion, the terror in Highland Park the u.s is exceptional indeed in business and tech news red flag consumers are using buy now pay later to cover everyday expenses amazon partners with grubhub to offer prime customers meal delivery perks elon musk reportedly had twins with a Neuralink executive russia pockets 24 billion dollars from selling energy to china and india apple introduces lockdown mode to protect iphones from state-sponsored hacking in sports news biden speaks with wife of basketball star and detained in russia out of the caribbean corner haiti a young haitian designer of a sports car monkeypox confirmed in jamaica and also out of jamaica why popcorn was likely detained in the uk and this is courtesy of the jamaica constabulary force saint lucia implements e-passport in july tnt trinidad and tobago it's official mask mandate ends july 17. our latin america story texas migrant deaths highlight growing desperation in guatemala in believe it or not news owner of a funeral home in colorado admits to illegally selling body parts gave families phony ashes in entertainment news chair star jerry harris sentenced to 12 years in prison in child sex abuse case jury finds man guilty of murder of rapper nipsey hustle we're going to be right back with the details after this music break it is hashtag tbt throwback thursday retro thursdays and of course we're doing it in dance hall days style today there is an oldie but goodie tiger bam bam you're gonna be hearing songs from the 80s 90s and early 2000s keep it in the head top on a firm meditation come no tiger in the presence of bomb bomb hey what one they make it the bomb bomb hey go find the stage it's a bomb bomb sure show me the book and show me the time man so dance the door man do not slam So June the tiger man, the dance get rum No, I see go on me, want a rum You man, but she go on me, want a rum And me know a little girl on them call her palm She don't business, she have to come dance rock You know, tiger in the presence and bam bam Hold on the mic, it's a bam bam Me no like not no hole, me love a new brand Tourists come and jump down, don't forget some time Listen on the tiger when the rum dance man 
To all our listeners tuned in on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon, I'll be with you until the top of the hour. Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. You listen to Foxy Brown. Baby, can I hold you tonight? It's hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday, Retro Thursdays. We're doing it in Dance Hall Days style. You're going to be hearing songs from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And we're going to get started with the details right after this. Coming up, international news. Forgive me, forgive me 
So I have a good morning. I have a question for my folks on Clubhouse. Were you able to hear the music? The music you just played? Yes. Okay. All right. Perfect. Just wanted to make sure because I know it's playing on the, the stations, but I just wanted to make sure you're hearing on Clubhouse as well. Thank you so much, Javette. Appreciate that. And now it's time for the details and we're starting off with international news. A trial opens in Italy in the case of the deadly 2018 Genoa Bridge collapse involving 59 defendants prosecuted for manslaughter and undermining transport safety. The Morandi Bridge, part of a key highway between Italy and France, gave way in torrential rain on August 14, four years ago, sending dozens of vehicles tumbling into the abyss and killing 43 people. The tragedy shone a spotlight on the state of Italy's transport infrastructure. Autostrade per Italia, which runs almost half of the country's motorway network, is accused of failing to maintain the bridge that was inaugurated in 1967. For one of the prosecutors, Walter Cotugno, the Morandi Bridge was a time bomb. You could hear the ticking, but you just didn't know when it was going to explode, he said in February. Cotugno is convinced that the directors of Otter's Trade and the engineering company Spear, in charge of maintenance, were aware of the risk of collapse, but remained reluctant to finance work in order to preserve the dividends of shareholders. Most of the defendants summoned by the Genoa court are executives and technicians of the two companies. Among them are the general manager of Autostrade at the time, Giovanni Castellucci, and former head of Spear, Antonini Galata. I said that incorrect. It's Antonino Galata and officials of the Ministry of Infrastructure. In August 2020, Italy inaugurated a sleek new bridge in Genoa. Rightly so. You can't ignore something that is so important that will adversely affect transportation, but more so lives. Yeah, we need to start holding companies um, executives and those who are fully aware, responsible. For too long, they always get away with murder, literally. Now, it's time to face the consequences and realize that you're not so protected anymore. It's not about shutting a company down or changing business anymore. It's really holding you responsible for your failure to act, your outright neglect. So we hope that the people who lost their lives tragically in the collapse of the bridge, there will be restitution of sorts for their families. Some 300 inmates are on the run after a suspected raid by Islamist Boko Haram militants in a prison in Nigeria's capital Abuja on Tuesday night. And this is according to an interior ministry official. The raid and a separate ambush on an ad advance convoy of Nigerian President Mohamedou Buhari, who was not present, heading to his hometown in the northern state of Katsina, highlights Nigeria's going security challenges, especially in northern regions where armed insurgents and gangs are rife. Shuai Belgori, permanent secretary at the Interior Ministry, told journalists outside the Abuja prison, which has 900 inmates, that a security officer was killed during the raid and three others were injured. He said the suspected Boko Haram attackers came from members who were held in prison. Actually, 600 broke out. They were able to capture 
I think it was 612, if I'm not mistaken, from the story, and they were able to capture 312. Some of them turned themselves in. Um, but 300 still on the run. Sri Lanka is bankrupt, according to Prime Minister Ranil Wickremesinghe on, when he made his statement on Tuesday, as the country suffers its worst financial crisis in decades, leaving millions struggling to buy food, medicine and fuel. The Prime Minister told lawmakers that negotiations with the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, to revive the country's collapsed economy are difficult because the South Asian nation of 22 million has entered the talks as a bankrupt country rather than a developing one. We are now participating in the negotiations as a bankrupt country. Therefore, we have to face a more difficult and complicated situation than previous negotiations, he said in Parliament. Due to the state of bankruptcy, we have to submit a plan on our debt sustainability to the IMF separately. Only when they are satisfied with that plan can we reach an agreement at the staff level. This is not a straightforward process. Sri Lanka is in the midst of its worst financial crisis in seven decades after its foreign exchange reserves plummeted to record lows with dollars running out to pay for essential imports, including medicine and fuel. President Gotabaya Rajapaksa tweeted on Wednesday that he had sought assistance from Russian President Vladimir Putin and requested an offer of credit support to import fuel. In several major cities, including Sri Lanka's commercial uh, capital, Colombo, hundreds continue to queue for hours to buy fuel, sometimes clashing with police and the military as they wait. Schools have been suspended and fuel has been limited to essential services. On Sunday, Sri Lanka's energy minister, Kanchana Wijaskera, said the country had less than a day's worth of fuel left. But my question is, how does an economy become bankrupt? I don't think it's just a matter of not having access to fuel. I, I remember a couple of weeks ago coming across the article when their economic situation came to light. There's mismanagement. So let's speak to the mismanagement of funds. And you can't blame the IMF, although I do believe countries should try their best to sever ties, if possible, and stand on their own two feet. Because, of course, being a part of the IMF, you are um, held <laughs> to certain measures, right? They impose certain measures on your country and its citizens um, when it comes down to banking, especially because they're so worried about fraud and money laundering. But um, not to go off on a tangent too much, the entire government needs to sit down and see about reorganizing. You have to do an assessment. You have to do an, an inquiry. You have to see where your leaks are. There are cracks. And you have to fix those cracks. Otherwise, it's, you're putting water in a pool that's going to just drain right out. It's like giving someone a basket to carry water. And you can't blame the IMF when you think that other countries donate funds there for, for the issuance um, as grants. You can't blame the IMF to say, okay, you're saying you're bankrupt. We need to know that when we give you this money, it is actually going to turn the tide. You're going to be able to rebound what are your plans give us a 
a one-year, five-year, ten-year plan. It just comes down to economics along with common sense. Would you have someone in your family who is constantly asking you for money to do certain things, but the things are never getting, getting done? Or, you know, total mismanagement. Would you continue to pour into them? Because you are investing in them with the hope that they're going to be able to stand on their own two feet. Right? So can't blame the IMF. Sri Lanka, I say to you, go to the drawing board. Everybody come up with a reasonable plan of action as how to move forward and have a plan B. You have to have a plan B because what if the IMF says, no, we're not going to give you this money. What are you going to do at that point? And sometimes, I tell you this, as harsh as it may sound, especially when you think large scale as, as far as a country is concerned, sometimes hearing no is the best answer. It forces you to draw on your resources. It forces you to be creative. It forces you to have a spine, to think. Because a lot of times the very answers we're looking for are right there in the palm of our hands, but we are so blinded and have become so dependent on relying on others to bail us out. So Sri Lanka, let's see. Get your ducks in a row. Dot your I's and cross your T's. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson agreed to resign today after days of defections crippled the controversial leader and left him unable to govern. Johnson finally agreed to step down after one of his closest allies, Treasury Chief Nadhim Zahawi, told the Prime Minister to resign for the good of the country. It was not immediately clear whether Johnson will stay in office while the Conservative Party chooses a new leader who will automatically become Prime Minister as well. A formal announcement is expected later on Thursday. Prime Minister, this is not sustainable and it will only get worse for you, for the Conservative Party and most importantly of all, the country Zahawi said in a letter to Johnson, you must do the right thing and go now. Zahawi's intervention came after two more members of Johnson's cabinet resigned along with three junior officials, pushing the number of those who have left the government this past week to 50. Johnson on Wednesday rejected calls to resign, arguing that he had a mandate from the voters to remain in office. But by Thursday morning, the man who has built a reputation for wriggling out of political controversies was forced to admit the reality of his situation. Bernard Jenkin, a senior Conservative Party lawmaker, said he met with Johnson on Wednesday and also advised him to stand down. I just said to him, look, it's just when you go now and it's how you go. You can go with some dignity or you can be forced out like Donald Trump, clinging, clinging to power and pretending he's won the election when he's lost, Jenkins told the BBC before Johnson agreed to resign. Johnson, 58, managed to remain in power for almost three years, despite allegations that he was too close to party donors, that he protected supporters from bullying 
and corruption allegations, and that he misled Parliament and was dishonest to the public about government office parties that broke pandemic lockdown rules. But recent disclosures that Johnson knew about sexual misconduct allegations against, against Chris Pincher, a conservative lawmaker, before he promoted Pincher to a senior position, turned out to be the last straw. Last week, Pincher resigned as Deputy Chief Whip after complaints he groped two men at a private club. That triggered a series of reports about past allegations leveled against Pincher and shifting explanations from the government about what Johnson knew when he tapped him for a senior job enforcing party discipline. Health Secretary Sajid Javed said, and Treasury Chief Rishi Sunak resigned within minutes of each other on Wednesday over the scandal. The two cabinet heavyweights were responsible for tackling two of the biggest issues facing Britain, the cost of living crisis and COVID-19. Javed captured the mood of many lawmakers when he said Johnson's actions threatened to undermine the integrity of the Conservative Party and the British government. At some point, we have to conclude that enough is enough, he told fellow lawmakers on Wednesdays. I believe that point is now. Welsh Secretary Simon Hart also resigned on Wednesday, and Northern Ireland Secretary Brandon Lewis followed suit early Thursday, telling Johnson in his resignation letter that, We are past the point of no return. I cannot sacrifice my personal integrity to, to defend things as they stand now. He was later followed by Education Secretary Michelle Donilon, who was all only appointed to her post on Tuesday to replace Zahawi. Johnson had attempted to defy the mathematics of parliamentary government and the traditions of British politics. It is rare for a prime minister to, to cling to power in the face of this much pressure from his cabinet colleagues. The closest parallel may be Margaret Thatcher, the longtime conservative prime minister who in 1990 sought to remain in office after her authority was undermined by disagreements over Britain's relationship with what is now known as the European Union. But even she decided to resign after a number of cabinet members told her it would be better for the party if she stepped aside. Johnson may try to remain in office until the Conservative Party chooses a new leader, a process likely to take place over the summer. But some Conservatives said he should leave 10 Downing Street immediately to end the chaos engulfing the government. George Freeman, who quit as science minister on Thursday, tweeted that Boris Johnson needs to hand in the seals of office. Apologize to Her Majesty. Queen Elizabeth II, and advise her to call for a caretaker prime minister to take over today so that ministers can get back to work and we can choose a new conservative leader to try and repair the damage and rebuild trust. So what happens when a British prime minister resigns? With him, Boris Johnson, let me be respectful, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson set to resign today. Um, there are questions. The world has questions. And now it's time for us to do a little social studies. <laughs> Does a um, Johnson resignation trigger a general election? No. It starts the Conservative Party process for choosing a new leader of the party. UK prime ministers are not directly elected by the people. 
Johnson is Prime Minister because he is the head of the largest party in the House of Commons. The Conservatives will still be the largest party even if Johnson resigns, so the new head of the party will become Prime Minister. How are the new Conservative Party leaders chosen? Leadership candidates need the support of at least eight lawmakers. If there are more than two candidates, Conservative Party lawmakers hold round after round of votes to whittle the number of leadership candidates down to two. Then, Conservative Party members nationwide vote by mail between the two finalists. The winner becomes the leader of the party and Prime Minister. Who is Prime Minister while all this happens? Johnson. He will remain in office as caretaker Prime Minister until his replacement is chosen. Then, he submits his resignation to the Queen in person. The palace will announce officially that Queen Elizabeth II has accepted Johnson's resignation and will say who she has invited to become Prime Minister to replace him. This is a formality. Does the new Prime Minister have to call a general election? No. The United Kingdom isn't scheduled to have another general election until December 2024. The new Prime Minister could choose to ask Parliament to vote for an early election, but is not required to do so. So, just some questions in case you had any of those questions in mind, and those are the answers. Why is Boris Johnson wanting to hold on so badly? Question number one from me. Question number two. All those parliamentarians that resigned in the wake of everything that happened, are they going to be automatically reinstated after, his, after, after Johnson's resignation? Or will there be a whole new pool put in place? Well, just, just like any job... Um I'm guessing like, that they might have to reapply for their jobs. What do you think? That would make sense. And if, if their performance was not satisfactory, you know, no need to reinstate them. I agree. Because it, it, has, it has happened before where people have resigned. And um, when Theresa May um, uh, took office, they came somehow. I don't know if they applied for the job, but they came back into power again. So you know, they got their positions back. But um, I think one of them um, got a different position. It wasn't exactly the same position. Yeah, I, I actually, I just drove past uh, number 10 and there's loads and loads of people. There's a big, big crowd and they've got, um, they've got adverts. Drive, they've got those digital billboards drive around London saying, evict a victim, a victim now, and a victim today. <laughs> it's, it's, it's chaos. <laughs> wow, I can only imagine. But Teflon, why, it's, why does it seem as though this is how prime ministers in the uk are ousted it's always in the midst it's never at an election so is it that they're not taking heed to the performance of previous prime ministers before you know taking on the role and seeing to it that the same detriment doesn't befall them is it that they feel that you know what it won't happen to me too I think what it is, I, f I think they, um, I think it's la lack of experience because the the, um, the prime ministers that have done this year, they've 
Um, if, you, if, you, if you dig deep here, they've got, they haven't really got that experience. Um, I mean, Boris Johnson didn't have experience. He kind of bullied his way into the position. And um, because he was, because uh, at the time he was seen as being very charismatic, he's very good at um, articulate. Like, he's very, because he used to be a debater when, when he was in um, university. He, he was, uh, I think he was um, um, the captain of the debating team. So, that, so he's very good at talking. Mm-hmm. And he's funny, he's charismatic. So I think at the time he was the, the favourite to take over because they, they didn't, they couldn't see anyone that um, was capable of taking that position. But right, right now there's there's really no no one you can think of that's qualified that can actually take that position. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's chaos. I mean, the only person that resigned that was qualified was Cameron. And he he only he, he only resigned because he probably didn't agree with the Brexit stuff, and he probably thought, you know what, let me just get out of this and let you guys get on with it, kind of thing. But um, Gordon Brown didn't have any experience, um, and Boris Johnson definitely hasn't got no experience of running the country. So, right. yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's what it is right now. <laughs> that's to his detriment. But here's what I would say: if I am going to step into a role. Um, because of my charisma, my charm, my ability to woo people over. I need to be smart and strategic about it. I'm facing a cabinet that is filled with people who have experience, years of experience, decades probably. My automatic go-to would be to seek counsel and advice and direction from them until I am sharp. Because truth be told, we're not going to have all the... the, um, things in play that we need right but we have people who are qualified around us we surround ourselves with qualified folks with experienced folks who can guide us accordingly we seek counsel even if we're experienced no matter how experienced you are you still want to seek counsel because you don't have all the answers so that's where i would say he blundered Yes, you don't have the experience. Does it mean you can't do the job? No, it can be on the job training, but your mindset has to be there to want to learn. You have to be able to um, take reproach, to take counsel, to take advice, and you have to be willing. And I find this a problem with a lot of leaders, whether they are in politics or in organizations, they struggle with being able to say, I don't know let me find out. I don't have the answer, but I'll get the answer for you. A lot of people tend to struggle with that. And I don't know why. Quite frankly, I will respect you more for stepping up and saying, if I ask you a question, you say, you know what? I really don't know, but I'm willing to find out. It's a learning opportunity for us all. Instead of pretending to have it all under control, pretending to be um, knowledgeable, right? And then we fail. And that's something people... Go right ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. I I... <laughs> that's okay. But no, I, I, I actually struggle with that in corporate America every day. And I ask myself why. And I think it's because they hired the person to do something. So they expect the person to tell them when something is wrong, even if they didn't know. (laughs) Ah, Javette. 
I don't know. Ego? Is that what it is? That's getting in our that's way? Exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. Ego, arrogance. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> yes, our egos will destroy us. Well, here we go on the world stage. And I've got the pressure from the opposition as well, because the opposition are obviously giving them a big um, kick, um, pushback and trying, trying to fight for their position. And um, there's there's so much war in between the two parties. And um, so I suppose I think they probably um, get get a little bit personal, get, um, they get a bit emotional, their personal emotions kind of get involved as well. And so yeah. they'll just for, they'll try and force themselves into into position, so they know they haven't got experience. They just want to prove a point to say that yeah, I've taken that position, and then all they have to do is just get their comrades to um, back them, and um, eight out of ten times that always that always happens. Like they'll they'll get the backing from their from their mates from the conservative <laughs> conservative party, and and then the, and then the, the country will then suffer. You know what I mean? With poor decisions, yeah, it's just it's just chaos right now. Like <laughs> it's like everyone's freestyling and doing whatever they want. <laughs> oh boy! Well, here's what I will say, Teflon. I sincerely hope that the next person that steps in will learn, take a page out of history books, study it, and. You know, and see to it that you don't blunder the same way. Because if you don't um, pay attention, let me just keep it simple. If you don't pay attention, more than likely, you're going to fall from graces too. And as they have say, you, you know, they have a saying, the higher a monkey climbs, the more he exposes himself. Inexperienced, but arrogant. Inexperienced, but very um, egotistical. And thought that he could do as he wanted to do. And that's what I, I can't put it any other way. He thought that he could do what he wanted to do. He, he was studying the wrong playbook, if you ask me. Because as I was reading um, his issues, he literally took pages out of Donald Trump's book. Failing yep. to think. <laughs> but when people do that they can also blame the problems on other people that is true case in point number 45 <laughs> yeah but um i hope others will learn others who are seeking to or aspiring to be prime minister one day whether it's in the uk or anywhere in the world that they will be mindful and understand that their obligation is to the citizens of their country. Those that voted him or her into power. You're not there to serve yourself. And this is where a lot of people get lost. They're, you know, they feel, oh, I'm here now, so let's forget about everybody. No, it does not work like that. You are held accountable to the public and i'm glad the uk has the system where they're able to get rid of their leaders that they're not satisfied with versus here we have to wait on an impeachment or um a general election 
wish we could get rid of folks in midterms. But, um, yeah. So, hopefully they're able to sort it out and come, come up with a leader quickly, an effective leader, a leader who will listen and abide by protocol. You know? Good morning. Good morning, James. How are you doing? Uh, good, good. Um, anyone remember when third world politicians were the ones that were unstable? <laughs> Aren't we always unstable? I know. I know. Look at it. Like it, it switched. Like now in the Caribbean, we have some of the best leaders, and and on the world stage, the biggest countries are struggling with their leaders. You know, it's it's, it's so ironic. Big countries are failing with leaders. James, could it be? Could we say a part of the reason is that they are hung up on only having one particular image as the representation of the country? Always looking to one sector? How about an Indian for a change, being the leader of the UK? An Indian born in the UK? Let me add that to be specific because I understand that I totally understand that you have to be a citizen, born citizen of a country to step up. But if you look throughout history, all the leaders look the same of those countries that you're referring to, um, James. So too, majority of leaders throughout the world are men. Ah. Probably give it though, hand it over to the woman. Because I think for some reason they seem to be able to balance the scales a little better. Not saying much, a little better. As long as they are not puppets on strings. Can you imagine what Theresa May is thinking now? Like, you know, they're oh, putting the screen. Yeah, listen, they've, they've got memes. They've got memes going around where she's, she's sitting down um, sipping tea. And they're saying oh, karma comes back around. And yeah, there's so many um, Theresa May <laughs> memes going around. It's crazy, man. It's funny. Yeah. But she must, she, she must be laughing. <laughs> yeah, because she, she got a bad deal, man. Like, they, they, they pushed her around. And, and putting this... And they, putting yeah, they this done a dirty, but, 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 but I think, I think she... They, I think they, they kind of did their favour for by um, letting her step down because... Yeah, the, the heat's too much, and she was feeling it, man. Like when before she went into power, yes, she she had like dark hair. She looked very young, and then when she when she came out, yeah, she looked so haggard, man, all greyed out. So I think it's a good thing, man. <laughs> and she looks very peaceful right now. Wow. All right. So let's see what happens. Let's see who. So let me ask you a question, Teflon, real quick. The Queen chooses the Prime Minister. Is it on her own doing or is it upon the recommendation of those in Parliament? No, it's a, yeah, it's a recommendation. So, um, the, 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 House, the, the House of Commons, and, um, yeah, the House of Commons, they, they decide and then they, they then refer to um, the Queen and then she, she, she makes the final decision. So, yeah, that's how it works. All right. Thank you so much for it that input on that we're going to take a music break and when we return it is news out of north america it is hashtag tbt 
Throwback Thursday. We're taking it back to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. The Dance Hall Days Edition. So you man the wise and be progressive. Stitches her. <laughs> Follow me again now. When I was just a little boy, I asked my mama, oh, what will I be? Will I be a singer or a MC? And this is what she says to me, Kesaraz, whatever will be, will be. The future is not ours to see Stitchy just wait and see So here what me do Get up very early, do some exercising Get myself ready, go to school in the morning When school done, me come home in the evening You spend a paper, lot of lyrics, me writing As me graduate, me gone to entertaining Mash it up a yard, then send me go back Stitches <laughs> Follow me again now when I was just a little boy, I asked my mama, oh, what will I be? Will I be a singer or a MC? And this is what she says to me, Kesaraz, whatever will be, will be. The future is not ours to see. Stitchy, just wait and see. So here what me do. Get up very early, do some exercising. Get myself ready, go to school in the morning. When school done, me come home in the evening. You spend a paper, lot of lyrics, me writing. As me graduate, get me gone in entertaining. Mash it up a yard. So madly, and Jaja knows say she's driving me crazy. Especially when she spot Philip and Robson Johnny, and when she spot Robert and the Apache, the girl I tell me say she want the milk and she honey. She love me like how the fish them love us swimming on the sea. She love me like how pocket money love some money. Come and take it from the cat and the girls them dolly. And everywhere me go, the girl them getting honey. And I tell me say them want the milk and not them honey. Come follow me now, you better go. So she didn't have a daughter, she didn't have a son She said the lift doesn't run, run up the stairs and come And if you don't come quick, you're not gonna know that son So I grab a bunch of flows and I started to run Here I come, whoa Two months later, she said come and get your son Cause I don't want your baby to come Tie me down now because you are old And I am young Yes, while I'm young, yes I wanna have some fun Run me down Should live at little I'm broad, I'm broad, I'm broader than Broadway Yes, I'm broad, I'm broad, I'm broader than Broadway When you go to Volcano, it's like a stage show You have man that sing, DJ and blow Pull it down the radio, pull it down the radio 
did have a daughter, she did have a son She said the lift doesn't run, run up the stairs and come And if you don't come quick, you're not gonna see your son So I grab a bunch of fruits and I started to run Here I come, oh Two months later, she said come and get your son Cause I don't want your baby to come Tie me down cause you are old And I am young, just while I'm young Yes, I wanna have some fun, run me down Extra size, extra size, extra size than size way. Extra broad, extra broad, extra broader than Broadway. And the intercom rolls, they tell me to come. Oh Thank you to all our listeners tuned in on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments With Me. You're listening to Coffee and Toll, world news on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Well, to my listeners on Future FM, thank you so so much for having tuned in i'll catch you next week thursday 9 a.m eastern i invite you to continue listening on qmzradio.com or johnoradio.com join us Hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday Dance Hall Edition Dance Hall Days Edition I might say So you're going to be hearing songs from the 80s, 90s and early 2000s Right now you're listening to the voice of Trevor Sparks Wings of Love And we're going to be right back with news out of North America Right after this Thank you so much, QMZRadio.com, JohnOradio.com, and Clubhouse for your patience. And now it is time for us to get into the stories out of North America. Parade shooting suspect contemplated a second shooting. This story comes to us courtesy, courtesy of the Associated Press via WSVN Miami. The man charged with killing seven people at an Independence Day parade confessed to police that he unleashed a hail of bullets from a rooftop in suburban Chicago and then fled to the Madison, Wisconsin area, where he contemplated shooting up an event there, authorities said on Wednesday. The suspect turned back to Illinois, where he was later arrested after deciding he was not prepared to pull off another attack in Wisconsin. <laughs> Following a hearing, the 21-year-old was denied bond. 
The parade shooting left another American community reeling, this time affluent Highland Park, home to about 30,000 people near the Lake Michigan store. Or sure, rather, more than two dozen people were wounded, some critically, and hundreds of marches, parents, and children fled in a panic. Cavelli said it did not appear that the suspect had planned another attack in um, Wisconsin, but fled there, saw another independence celebration, and seriously contemplated firing on it. The assailant had ditched the semi-automatic rifle he used in Illinois, but he had another similar rifle and about 60 more rounds with him. Lake County Assistant State's Attorney Ben Dillon said in a court that the gunman climbed up the fire escape of a building above the Highland Park Parade, looked down his sights, aimed, and fired at people across the street. He left the shells of 83 bullets and three ammunition magazines on the rooftop. He initially evaded capture by disguising himself as a woman and blending into the fleeing crowd, according to police. Some of the wounded remained hospitalized in critical condition, Cavelli said, and the death toll could still rise. Already the deaths from the shooting have left a two-year-old boy without parents, families mourning the loss of beloved grandparents, and a synagogue grieving the death of a congregant who for decades had also worked on the staff. Lake County State's attorney Eric Reinhardt said he planned to bring attempted murder and aggravated battery charges for everyone who was hurt. There will be many, many more charges coming, he said at a news conference, estimating that those charges would be announced later this month. If convicted of the first-degree murder charges, the gunman would receive a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole. But um, them highlighting the fact that this is an affluent neighborhood or affluent community really doesn't say anything, quite frankly, because look at what happened in Parkland. Parkland is a very affluent community down here in South Florida. You have to have a certain net worth to be able to live in Parkland, and I'm thinking maybe the same thing in Highland Park. So nothing came out of that. That situation did not appeal to lawmakers. So do they think it's going to appeal to them now as it relates to addressing concerns about um, high-powered rifles out there on the street? But who sent me the TikTok? Somebody sent me a video, or did I just come across it? I can't remember, but I saw it between last night and this morning. Um. <laughs> The imagery is something else. A group of people dressed up. It's a it's a it's a play or what you call an ad, whatever you, however you want to refer to it. A group of um, people dressed up as KKK um, members with the white. Was it you, Javet, that sent it to me? Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I know. Okay. I'm not totally gone, folks. I still have a few of my brain cells working. So. Um, yeah, you have a group of KKK people going towards the home of a black man who has his high-powered weapon, and he shows it to them, and they run off. Now I can understand the reasoning behind wanting to have the public have access to it to protect themselves. 
But how do we know when it's going to be used for protection versus carrying out heinous acts of unnecessary crime? How do we know the difference? Because in that situation, in that enactment, it is valid. I would say, yes, have it. Definitely have it. Because without it, God knows what these people would have done to this man. They were going, you know, charging with rakes and um, clubs that look like they have spikes on the end and other things. So that's an argument I can, I can understand and debate on. But unfortunately, what we're seeing is irresponsible behavior. Irresponsible people, young people, excuse me, irresponsible young people having access to these weapons. How did you feel about When you saw it, Javette, what were your thoughts? Uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> that everybody should probably have one for protection. And it seems to me, I might sound a little discriminatory right now, but it doesn't seem as though white pe people need to have access to those guns because they're the ones using them to, to um, desecrate humanity, to destroy lives, to carry out these wars with people who are not warring with them. But they will say you can't do that. That's discrimination. <laughs> well, they're the ones who seem to be having the problems. Go ahead. Go right ahead. My apologies. Oh, Javette went on a call. Okay. Yeah. Police in Richmond, Virginia said Wednesday that they thwarted a planned July 4 mass shooting after receiving a tip that led to the arrest of two men and the seizure of multiple guns. An announcement that came just two days after a deadly mass shooting on the holiday in a Chicago suburb. A hero citizen overheard a conversation indicating there was an attack being planned on an Independence Day celebration in the capital city and called police to report it, Police Chief Gerald Smith said at a news conference. The caller said the attack was planned for the Dogwood Dell Amphitheater, where an annual fireworks show is held. One phone call saved numerous lives on the 4th of July, Smith said. Police initiated an investigation along with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, which led to the arrests of two men on charges of being non-U.S. citizens in possession of a firearm. He said additional charges are possible. Julio Alvarado Dubon, 52, was arrested on July 1, the same day the police received the tip. He said police, um, and that Smith said, police put a second suspect, Rolman Alberto Balacarcel, 38, under surveillance beginning that day, but did not initially, initially have probable cause to arrest him. He was arrested Tuesday, however, in Albemarle County near Charlottesville and was being held in a local jail. Police spokesperson Tracy Walker said both men are from Guatemala. Initial documents filed in General District Court in Richmond say both Alvarado Dubon and Balacarcel are not 
in the U.S. legally. The documents said Alvarado Dubon has an expired visa. The documents did not include any details about the alleged plot. Smith said the two men lived together in a Richmond house where officers seized two assault rifles, a handgun, and hundreds of rounds of ammunition that were in plain view. He said police have not determined a motive for the planned attack. Richmond Mayor LeVar Stoney, who joined the news conference along with members of the city council, decried what he called an epidemic of gun violence across the country. Whether you're at home in your cul-de-sac or in your neighborhood or in a park, at a parade, out dining, you have to keep your head on a swivel, Stoney said. And that's not the country that I know I desire to live in. But those are the facts of the matter at this moment. Court documents note bond was set at $15,000 for Alvarado Dubon on Wednesday, but it was unclear if he had been released. The documents say... He has lived in the Richmond area for three years and works full-time in the construction industry. He has a preliminary hearing scheduled in Richmond on August the 2nd. Online records showed Balacarcel was in custody in a local jail. It wasn't immediately clear if he had an attorney who could speak on his behalf. The apparent thwarted plot was planned for the same day that a gunman opened fire from a rooftop during a 4th of July parade in the affluent Chicago suburb. Let me ask a question. Can an attorney refuse to um, represent in both situations, both in the um, situation that was carried out on July 4 and then these two? Let us say you're a public defender in and do you have to take on the case? Or can all public defenders stand down and say, no, I don't want to touch this? Because I'm defending someone, someone who is going to carry out a crime. Or I'm defending someone who has carried out a crime that has um, resulted in the loss of life. How does an attorney think through that and represent the suspects how do they do that a private a private attorney can say no but a public one once their boss has given them that case they have to go out go with it they'll probably have discussions internally in their office like no i don't want to give it to jim i don't want to give it to robert but if you're assigned it and you're a public defender then that is your job wow Wow. I need to ask, um, I have a couple of cousins who, um, one in Jamaica, she was with what you call a public defender. She started out with the government and then switched to private. I remember when she was with the government, she had to take a case to the Privy Council in London. She won the case. Kudos to her on that. Um, and then I have Another cousin, him and his parents, they have a law firm in Belize, but that's private. So you know what? I probably need to reach out and ask them how it works on both ends, um, private versus for them. And, of course, understand that's the Caribbean. Um, quite different from here. Go, go right ahead, Fabian. Yes, I just want to say good morning to everybody. Uh, happy Thursday to you. Hope you have a great day. Uh, that's a great question, uh, Moments. 
Uh, Sonnet, I want to ask you, yes, it's, you know, when a public defender is assigned a case, yes, that's their job, but if they tell their um, supervisor, managing attorney, that they are not comfortable taking that case, um, what do you think goes from there? Because if you're not comfortable taking a case, you're not going to do your best. And... Um, and you obviously represent the office. It's going to be a win or a loss. So take it from there for us, please. Thank you. You are a part of the Bar Association. So you are legally, you have to do your best. I mean, you can, you know, like you pretend you're in college and you like to, it's a paper you're not really into. So you're going to just like phone it in and you're going to write, cut, paste, copy, you know, copy, paste. But you, but you legally, you're a part of the Bar Association. You can get disbarred for not trying. If the judge or anybody in the court sense that you're not doing your job to the best of your ability or giving a little bit, you could be disbarred. It's like a, it's like a doctor. You're not trying to do your best. But I didn't mean, I mean, there's certain things you can't prove, you know, you, you, certain things, intent you can't prove. So say I'm, I'm given a task and I'm excited about that task. I'm going to go above and beyond in this task. But if I'm not... Uh, you cannot really prove, yeah, I'm going to do the basics uh, to argue my case, but to get this part, I think you really have to really show something there that you're trying to undermine your own case. But what if what if you're not enthusiastic about the case and there's somebody else in that office, that DA's office, for example, uh, prosecutor's office, that is excited about that case? Don't you think it's the discretion of the supervising attorney to make that decision? Yeah, I think that's how I started it, that basically, if they're in the same office, let's say um, the district attorney's office and and the district attorney, let's say it's John, he says, okay, John, I'm going to, I'm John, I'm going to give it to Richard or David or Michael or Susan or Kelly, and they go around and around tables like, I don't want it, but but David's really into it, so he'll be the one to do it. That's that's how I started it. It's an internal decision in that office. If if you're not feeling comfortable about it. But also, I am not a lawyer, nor have I worked in an office, but I've seen a lot of things, Joe. So, this is my, this is all opinion in my... In your, okay, thank you, Sonette. Yeah. And great question, um, Fabian. And, you know, of course, again, thank you, Sonette. So, I jumped onto Google, and I typed in, does a public defender have to take a case? Um, one response dated May 11, 2016, though public defenders' offices are publicly funded law firms tasked with taking on people charged with crimes who cannot pay for lawyers themselves, experts say those offices are not obligated to take on every case. It is the state that is required to provide lawyers for everyone. Okay, so let's dig a little deeper. Um, how can public or how can public defenders refuse cases? And this article is from Tennessean.com. Uh, assistant public defenders in Williamson County have temporarily stopped taking on new cases, but isn't it their job to represent everyone who cannot afford a lawyer? Okay. Though public defenders' offices are publicly funded law firms tasked with taking on people charged with crimes... Uh, who cannot pay for lawyers themselves, experts say those offices are not obligated to take on every case. It is the state that is required to provide lawyers for everyone. The basic idea is that there's a constitutional right to counsel for persons who cannot afford to hire a private lawyer. And that is 
uh, from the lips of Terry Maroney, co-director of the George Barrett Social Justice Program at Vanderbilt University Law School. That's why it's hard for people to understand how can a public defender refuse cases? Doesn't that violate your right to counsel? Maroney said that's where a second right comes in, the right to competent counsel. Williamson Public Defenders Limit New Cases. Okay, I'm looking for more. He said the Tennessee Supreme Court has its own rule on the issue that says, says if a public defender shows he or she has too many cases, a judge must appoint a private lawyer. So it sounds as though what, um, what I'm gathering is that what Sunette has said is, right, you have to. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. Whether they're going to keep passing around, but somebody has to take the case. So I guess this is where we have to put our personal opinions and personal feelings to the side and just do the task at hand. And that is probably where they will, quote unquote, half ass the job, where they just push for you to take a plea deal, get this over with, because they're not really invested. Granted, I will say this. A public defender who is looking to get into private practice and make a name for themselves as being very successful will take on the will, will take on the challenge and fight tooth and nail for that client, even though they don't agree. Even though because they are looking at the long term goal. They're trying to establish themselves as someone who is able to win cases, to um, present arguments that are convincing in the court of law. So it can be twofold. So you're, you're heading up the right alley there, so that your opinions are indeed correct. <laughs> yeah. It's a constitutional right. You are supposed to have counsel. If it's not a public defender, well, it has to be a private one. But, but aren't there folks, so what about those folks who go into court and say, I don't have a lawyer, I'm not being representative, I'm not being represented, or I don't want anyone to represent me, I want to represent myself. That's true, too. The defendant has a right to refuse the attorney that was assigned to them. Yeah. And in a lot of states, they have that right. I'm not sure if it's nationwide, so I, but I know that they have the right to refuse anyone who's assigned to them right yeah because if i don't feel comfortable if i don't think that you're going to do the best job for me and who was it that kept doing that every time they were assigned a public defender they got rid of them and it dragged out their case forever within the last decade it has happened oh my gosh every time it was you know he was presented with counsel no nope, don't want those and that was his way of avoiding for as long as he could the, the um, courts. I can't remember. I know it will come back to me. If Marlon is awake, he might remember. I know he's in the room, but he's probably not awake. <laughs> imagine, imagine taking a case like this moment where <laughs> uh, somebody's hands is literally just splashed with blood, for example. <laughs> 
and uh, you have to defend this person. It, uh, that's why I couldn't be no attorney, you know, because by the cases that they have to take and defend people, that uh, the evidence is overwhelming. Yes, I get they deserve a chance to defend themselves, but why the cases they have to take is just I, I couldn't with a clear conscience uh, def go to court and defend uh, certain things. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't either, Fabian. I totally agree. I totally agree. I couldn't do it either. If I were an attorney, and let's say the man that killed the, the seven people, if that was my case, I'm going to say, listen, I'm not here to defend you. I'm just here to let's get this over with. You're going to plead guilty because you are guilty. Take the time served and let's keep it moving. Goodbye. That's the only, if I'm left with no choice but to be his attorney, that's how I'm going to approach it. And it's either you deal with me or you don't. I'm not here to justify your actions. No. Moments. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Otto. You, um, as an attorney, you actually cannot say that. <laughs> that would just be <laughs> Otto, please don't uh, tell me I can't say that. <laughs> no, sorry, I wanted to chime in earlier, but um, yeah, you, those things you can't say that. Um, I believe in a, de if I remember the term correctly, a defendant that defends himself is called pro se. Um, they are allowed to do that if they feel that their counsel is not competent enough or not um, acting in their best interest, they can fire them and go pro se if they want. That's one of their rights. Uh, there's several loopholes in the law that allow them um, people to get off in big name cases if they cannot get an attorney or a judge cannot assign an attorney to them. It's where the pub all the public defenders refuse the case, which they can because in most um, jurisdictions, the public defenders Although they get paid from the county, they do not work for them. They are their own entities. So they necessarily don't have to take the cases. Most of them do take cases because they want to get paid. And they do some of the jobs, so to speak. Their heart, I've seen a lot of them, not, their hearts aren't in it. They just come in the day before court and meet the client. And this is what we're going to do. This is what you did. This is what they're offering. Do you want it? Yes, no, maybe so. And move on. So there's different um, factors in the law that allow um, people to get off if they can't find um, an attorney or one cannot be assigned to them. They um, Sometimes I've seen the judges make um, one of their friends, so to speak, take a case which are private attorneys, and they do do that. Okay. And if they, and if they can't get any of those, um, some of the defendants will um, execute their right to a speedy trial and then it gets hairy from there because then you're denying them because you can't find an attorney to defend them, all sorts of things. Okay. Thank you so much, Otada. So you sent me back to Google Otada. And yes, you are absolutely right. It is called pro se. So get your pens and papers out, folks, because you know in law there is a lot of Latin, right? Uh, pro se, and it's spelled S-E, um, or pro per. That's the term when um it's your right to represent yourself in a criminal case right so judges and lawyers typically refer to defendants who represent themselves with the terms pro se or pro per so if you're ever in court and you hear that term you know what it means that person is representing themselves all right um yeah so we learned something today 
What else should we learn <laughs> while we're on the Latin train? Interesting. Thank you again, Fabian, for raising that question. Thank you, Sunet, for providing very insightful um, answer. And thank you, Otada, for also stepping up and giving us another angle. All right. Three men pleaded guilty to defrauding 14 Rhode Island seniors out of more than $350,000 in what authorities described Tuesday as a grandparent scam. Few things are more frightening than thinking a family member is in trouble, U.S. Attorney Zachary A. Kunha said in a news release. These defendants exploited that fair to steal from loving grandparents and line their own pockets. Brian Valdez Espinosa, 22, Diego A. Alarcon, sorry, 22 as well, and Jason Hatch of 40, appeared before a federal judge in Providence and admitted to participating in the scam. Caro Hoopis Manosh, an attorney for Hatcher, and Kevin Fitzgerald, attorney representing Valdez Espinosa, declined comment in separate emails to CNN. Alarcon's attorney, Melissa Larson, told CNN her client has accepted full responsibility for his role in the scheme, one of many which has victimized our, our venerable elder population he sincerely regrets his criminal acts and i'm confident he will live a law-abiding life after serving what will likely be a lengthy sentence in a federal detention facility the victims whose ages ranged from 79 to 94 were contacted by people who impersonated family members or attorneys according to the release from the u.s attorney's office the callers falsely told the victims that a loved one, generally a grandchild, had been arrested after being involved in a motor vehicle accident and needed cash bail. The victims were then directed by the callers to gather cash to give to a courier who would come to their home to retrieve it for fake bail payments. The scammers defrauded the victims out of between $9,500 and $85,000. In one case, a family member intervened, which led police to Valdez Espinosa, who was acting as a courier. Valdez Espinosa and Alarcon, both from Union City, New Jersey, along with Hatcher, admitted that they traveled to New England to participate in the scam in June 2021, according to prosecutors. Hatcher? of New York City, pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit wire fraud and aggravated identity theft, while Alarcon and Valdez Espinosa pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit wire fraud. The trio are slated to be sentenced October 11 after a federal judge determines their prison term. Um, for those of us who have senior citizens in our lives, whether it's our parents or, or our grandparents, it is very important that we keep in touch with them, temperature gauge them, find out who has been in contact with them, the reason, check on them regularly. Please do that because they are easy targets. And yes, we can sit here and you know say, well, why didn't they reach out to try to contact their parents or you know, since they're the grandparents, yes, their children were the parents of these children. So why didn't they do that? Sometimes when we get alarming information, we don't always think rationally right then and there. And then what if we're getting in contact with someone who is possibly um, on the border of dementia? We don't know. 
So it is our responsibility to look out for our elders as best as we can to protect them, to prevent scammers from doing these things to them. Right? Yeah. Joe Biden <laughs> reportedly exports 5 million oil barrels despite U.S. gas prices. The, and this story is courtesy of Dre. Thank you, Dre, for sending this over. The Biden administration exported more than 5 million barrels of oil from its emergency reserves that were released in order to combat sky-high gas prices here at home, according to a report. The U.S. sent the oil, which was taken from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, that the Biden administration tapped into in hopes of getting mounting energy prices under control to Asia and Europe, Reuters is reporting. The release of around 1 million barrels a day from the SPR through October has had a minimal effect in decreasing the price of oil. At the same time, it has depleted the reserves to their lowest level since 1986. Brent crude futures were slightly higher on Wednesday, rising more than 1.3% to around $104 per barrel, while U.S. West Texas Intermediate rose 0.65% to eclipse $100 per barrel. Fares of a recession pushed oil prices downward in recent weeks, but Americans were still feeling the pain at the pump. The nationwide average price of a gallon of regular unleaded was costing American motorists $4.78 or 52% higher than the $3.13 that drivers were paying a year ago. Motorists in California are paying an average of $6.22 per gallon at the pump, the highest in the nation. While the price of gas has fallen by as much as 15 cents in the last three weeks in some states, AAA is warning that the relief is short-lived as Americans gear up for peak driving season in July, which will likely put a further strain on limited supply. The Biden administration has defended its decision to release oil from the reserves, saying that doing so prevented gas prices from spiking even further. The SPR remains a critical energy scrutiny tool or security tool, that should say, to address global crude oil supply disruptions. U.S. Customs data showed that Phillips 66, which is the fourth largest oil refiner in the country, shipped some 470,000 barrels of sour crude from the Big Hill SPR storage facility in Texas to Trieste, Italy. Trieste is where oil is loaded into a pipeline that transported to destinations in Central Europe. The European Union is aiming to replace energy sources that were lost as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Atlantic Trading and Marketing, an arm of French oil major Total Energies, exported two cargoes of 560,000 barrels each, the data showed. Cargoes of SPR crude were also headed to the Netherlands and to a Reliance refinery in India. An industry source disclosed that. A third cargo headed to China, another source said. So I think I understand why do I agree with it? No, but I think I understand the reasoning behind it. You've imposed sanctions, right? And because of those sanctions that have been imposed on Russia, because of the invasion of Ukraine, 
Russia thinks differently. Russia wants to call it a special military operation. And I'm going to be saying, I will always say those terms because how it looks in one man's eye looks different in another man's eye. So, you know, give them both their due. So for the Ukraine, it's an invasion. For Russia, it's a special military operation. But since that occurred and the sanctions that have been put in place led by the United States of America, other countries are feeling the effects, right? Because they're following suit. They're abiding by the rules, playing by the games, uh, the rules of the game, sorry, um, that the U.S. administration has put in place. So he has no choice but to provide them too because they're feeling it. So again, we're continuing, us, the citizens of the U.S., are going to continue to suffer while we take care of everybody else because we're putting our, um, we have put our, selves in people's business yeah <sighs> yeah what else are we gonna be suffering from or be suffering because of i don't know we're suffering enough is there a limit as to how much is allowed to be distributed out of the SPR? Or is it just going to be, just keep giving? And then what happens when we don't have any? Granted, the oil, the earth will always produce. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> and here is an In My Opinion article. The terror in Highland Park. The U.S. is exceptional indeed. And this is courtesy of Al Jazeera, written by Belen Fernandez, contributing editor at Jacobin Magazine. On the morning of Monday, July 4, as the United States was gearing up for its 246th annual celebration of independence from Britain, the National Rifle Association, America's ultra-powerful gun rights organization, offered the following inspirational reminder on Twitter. The only reason you're celebrating Independence Day is because citizens were armed. The tweet ended with the hashtag 4th of July. This was before Monday's mass shooting in the affluent Chicago, Illinois suburb of Highland Park, where seven people were killed and dozens wounded. And this was amidst the July 4th festivities. In what Highland Park Mayor Nancy Rotering described as an act of terror that was brought upon us. Parents with strollers and children on tricycles fled for their lives, and yet the horrific casualty toll was not even the tip of the iceberg in terms of things that can happen because citizens were armed. As NBC Chicago reported before the clock had even struck 9 a.m. on Monday, at least 57 people had already been shot in the city of Chicago alone over the 4th of July weekend, nine of them fatally. Nationwide, as of July 4, the U.S. had registered no fewer than 309 mass shootings in 2022, according to the Washington, D.C.-based Gun Violence Archive, which defines a mass shooting as one with a minimum of four victims shot, either injured or killed, not including any shooter. 
There are more guns than people in the U.S., and this is certainly a large part of the problem, particularly in states like Texas, which recently hosted the Uvalde massacre of 19 elementary school students and two teachers, ensure that it is essentially as easy to acquire a firearm as it is to acquire laundry detergent. But why is that American exceptionalism? which we have been hearing about since the 1830s or so, is now manifested in such uniquely unhinged episodes of mass murder. I'm not saying, obviously, that humans do not kill each other in other countries. They do. And as luck has had it, the U.S. The US itself has often been complicit in that killing, from the traditional right-wing slaughter of peasants in Latin America to the systematic terrorization of Palestinians that Israel undertakes under the guise of fighting terror. Then there is more hands-on global war on terror, and that's in quotations, I might add, and other initiatives directly perpetrated by the U.S. military, which one could argue have only helped instill in Americans the notion that life is a video game and that it is absolutely fine to go around killing people. And while the majority of annual gun-related deaths in the U.S. take the form of -of run-of-the-mill suicides and homicides rather than Highland Park spectacles, mass shootings naturally have a more terrorizing effect on public consciousness. In the latter category of event, as it turns out, there is also a frequent common denominator. In June, The Washington Post reported that, as per the paper's own analysis of 196 mass shootings since 1966, nearly 98% of the perpetrators were found to be men, with 40% of them between the ages of 18 and 29. The Post went on to quote an observation by psychologist Peter Langman, an expert on school shootings in the Journal of Campus Behavioral Intervention. The sense of damaged masculinity is common to many shooters and often involves failures and inadequacies. To be sure, in a society predicated on violently patriarchal capitalism and mass alienation, in which collective collaborative existence is abandoned in favor of focus and dog-eat-dog individual triumph, It is perhaps less than shocking that perceived failures and inadequacies might sometimes produce violent, overly masculine responses. This is no doubt especially the case with disillusioned young white men who, according to the American script, are the ones supposed to be doing the most of the triumphing. Indeed, in 2021, NPR cited statistics from the nonpartisan research group, The Violence Project, indicating that white men are disproportionately responsible for mass shootings more than any other group. In the end, it seems that when young men are sufficiently alienated and isolated by a society whose expectations they have failed to fulfill and vice versa, some opt to just shoot it all up. The 18-year-old Uvalde shooter was bullied extensively during his youth. Ditto for other killers whose visions of revenge against society have been greatly facilitated by easy access to weaponry. For his part, the 21-year-old suspect in the July 4 Illinois massacre is described by the Daily Beast as a wannabe rapper 
and apparent video game enthusiast whose social media operations suggested a predilection for violent imagery and mass shooting fantasy. In her remarks following the shooting, Mayor Rottering lamented, on a day that we came together to celebrate community and freedom, we are instead mourning the tragic loss of life. But while the tragedy and terror are very real, it bears remembering that July itself commemorates the freedom of a nation founded on genocide and slavery, another contributing factor, you might say, to America's high degree of exceptionalism. And as American violence proceeds unhinged, the truth of the matter is that it has all become tragically unexceptional. The views expressed in this article are the author's own and do not necessarily reflect Al Jazeera's editorial stance, nor are they the opinions of QMZ Radio, Jano Radio, and Moments With Me Media. I will say I'm glad she highlighted the demographic, though, because at first it started out a little broad, you know, just saying men. 98% of the perpetrators were found to be men, 40% of them between the ages of 18 to 29. But I am grateful that she honed in that it's white men. Which leads me to ask the question, is there something missing genetically? Is there something in the gene that's not right? I don't know. One might argue and say, you know, when I say, boy, growing up in the Caribbean, well, let me even be more specific. Growing up in a Jamaican household, you really develop thick skin. You learn how to deal with life. Some might say, well, a lot of us are scarred. To some degree, that might be true. But we don't carry out these acts. How is it then that we are able, for the most part, to maintain self-control, to think rationally? How is it then that we're not going on the tops of buildings, going into schools, going into churches, going into movie theaters, clubs, so on and so forth, and shooting up? I still feel the hits that I got from my mother. And I remember saying to her, I don't know what you're beating me for. And I think a lot of us as Jamaicans, especially my age group, we're wondering what did our parents really beat us for? It wasn't that serious, especially when you see how they interact with their grandchildren. How is it that we are not damaged to the point that we are carrying out these heinous acts? What is it? So it has to be something in the gene. There's a defect somewhere. Um, is it a defect? <laughs> I don't um, know. No, no, no. It, it's not. It's not. I, I understand it, right? We have we have graduated from. I don't. I don't. I've never. Yeah, I have hit my kids, but it's rare. Extremely rare right once or twice but i'll say this um the 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 way we the way we we punish our kids in the past and i mean i've seen situations even the school system where um you know the kind of belt you know and it, it was worse back then when you know um 
the instruments and, and the belt, the leather belt and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't believe that it's something in the gene. It's 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 because a lot of these parents take out their frustration on, and it's it's not just physical beating; it's also verbal abuse. And I think we're talking about the physical abuse, the physical abuse, but we're not talking about the verbal abuse. When you tell the child that them worthless, them now become nothing. Um, Sorry, bro, your, your mic is a bit low. Um, turn, turn up your mic a little bit, um, O'Neill, or come closer. Not sure. No, no, let me come in on my other phone. Ah, there you go. Yeah, you do sound <laughs> brighter now. Yeah. Yeah. O'Neill, are you there? Oh, he's probably he's probably switching. Yeah, he made a valid point. There is also um, verbal abuse. Yeah, we hear a lot of we hear a lot of things, and we hear. Um, how O'Neill, are you back? Okay, go ahead. Continue. Yeah, yes, I'm back. Go right so, ahead. So the thing is, I I'm saying that I think, um, the verbal abuse, um, the words you you know that's to me, that is more detrimental. Um, words last longer, and it and it and it permeates in the mind of 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 these youngsters. Um, when somebody is not every kid that hear that the worthless um, turns it into motivation. They sometimes adapt to what they're told they are. If you tell a child from that child is three that they're not going to become anything in life, and then at 14, when they decide to, uh, with all the other things that's happening in society, they choose violence or choose other means um, to express themselves, um, you're not going to say is a parent's fault because of a parent. It's not just physical abuse. It has a lot to be verbal. I was I was told since I'm three that I'm a genius. So I believe I am a genius <laughs> because it was something that was instilled in me from a very tender age. Um, I think early childhood dedication, how we treat our kids, and hope and aspiration. Um, maybe a lot of us who used to get beaten just couldn't wait to grow up to get out to have our own lives and also a lot of us don't beat our kids because we decided that we're not going to repeat the same thing that was that 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 was inflicted on us on our children right so i don't think it's a, a gene defect it is it, there's a wider um issue with our society but O'Neill, it's the really white men that are carrying out these heinous acts. And that's what I'm trying and that's what I'm trying to understand. And I'm not saying I want <laughs> communities of color to be doing that. Not at all. Not by any means. But I'm trying to understand, and that's why I'm saying there has to be a biological defect somewhere where it's them and them specifically. The mass shootings. I mean, oh, I mean, from that direction, that has more to do. Again, it's still psychological. That has more to do with um, being taught hate. No child is born with a racist effect or anything in their gene. And, and I can give an example. I have a daughter living in Korea. She's teaching Korea. And she was, I was talking to her a couple, last, last, last week because she was still an experience. So she, she's the only black teacher in the school that she teaches English. Mm -hmm. She's kids age five, six, seven, right? And there's a little girl. She said the first day she went to the school, the little girl came to the classroom. The kids came to the classroom and, you know, they were whispering. Um, some of them have never seen a black person before. 
And these are babies. These are, as I said, four, five, six year olds. Um, she said the little girl went home crying. She got, a teacher called her to say, hey, what did you tell this little child? The child went home crying to her mom. Mm -hmm. And her mom just saying, um, like she said, teacher Brianna, teacher Brianna. I said, what's, what's wrong? Why can't I have her complexion? Why couldn't I born with her brown complexion? The child was crying. This is a Korean child. Mm -hmm. Her parents wanting to have a brown complexion. Right? So um, that child was just, and she said, the little child used to come to her every day and just hold her hand and just rub her hand. Now, what that taught me was that if a Korean child is, is what we aspire to, in our side of the hemisphere, we have people bleaching their skin to look white. Everything is psychological. These white kids that are doing these mass shooting, the parents, what I'll agree to is that they are being taught to hate from a very tender age. Okay. And that is what resulting in the actions they take. Now, when they get to teenage and they're frustrated and they feel like they should have more, it's also an entitlement behavior. They believe this country belongs to them. They believe the school belongs to them. They believe everybody who is not like them is taking something away from them. These behaviors are taught behaviors. So it boils down to parenting. So we have to make a concerted effort as parents to instill certain, the right values within our children right um i'm glad you mentioned the word the word entitlement because we spoke about this previously a lot of people feel entitled and because they're they are raised not hearing the word no when they get older and they have to coexist out there in society it becomes a problem when they hear no from others, no, I don't want to be your friend. No, you can't have that. No, you can't go there. No, you cannot do this. For them, it's like, what on earth? What do you mean no? I've never heard. How dare you tell me no? And instead of going back to their parents and having a conversation about the experiences that they're encountering out there, they take it upon themselves to carry out these acts. Now, in the case of this young man, um, Neil, I, were you in the room yesterday when um, his father co-signed for him to get the arms? His father, the very father who was threatened by him before, son telling him that he's, he feels like he would kill the family, the very father goes and co-signs for him to have guns. The same father who, back in 2019, if, if I remember the story pro properly from yesterday, when they went to the home because of a call that was made because he was having suicidal thoughts, they went and they removed umpteen knives and swords. And what did the father do? Had them returned to him because he said they were his. So we are enabling bad behavior. And I, and I, and I, have, a, I have also a different view on access. So having access to gun, obviously, because it's a tool. And I, I said this to people all the time. The gun is a tool, just like the Bible is another tool, right? Because there are people who 
use the Bible spiritually for good things, and there are people who use the Bible to try to do evil things. Mm -hmm. God is a tool. It can be used to protect, and it can be used to hunt, and it can also be used to kill, take innocent lives. Hmm. Um, the, a bad workman blames his tool. The gun is not the problem. How you train your child. I mean, I grew up. I have. I, I remember at point in time in my life that I had access to a gun and I, I now had no interest in using it. I'd ne I had no interest in in robbing anybody or killing anybody. Um, um, but but that maybe have to do with how I was trained. As a, as a human being. So I'm saying that um, access in America, the Second Amendment exists because if we be real, growing up, watching cowboy movies, if you're reading all of these books, gun has always been a part of the U.S. society and violence. If you watch a cowboy movie, um, they're killing Indians and them killing each other. The only difference is every man had a gun. I think the, 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 the access to gun, if you're, if you're going to have gun shops, then I guess every single human being should have a gun. Because I, I believe the, the best deterrent <laughs> to violence, if, 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 if I know that my advantage over you is less, right, I'm less likely to attack you. All right, Anil, I'm going to have to take a break. I do apologize for interrupting you, but I do have to take a break. Coming up after the music break, it's business and tech news and health and science news. Here's a little bit more from hashtag TBT and songs for today. It is dance hall days style.
up a soup and go on go hold Fresh Take up a rum and take up a soup and go on go hold Fresh If I ready Fresh Super cool and fresh Take up a rum and take up a soup and go on go hold Fresh From your super cool and run your soup and fresh Anyone will accept you as a special guest No he and she will do that at a special request If you live in the country You run go to the river You live in the town of stone and the cock and get off in your shower They want to eat so you can be the regular a man no want a woman if she feel the water A woman a want a man if she feel the water You know say take up a rum and take up a soup and go on go hold Fresh! Take up a rum and take up a soup and go on go hold Fresh! The London girls, they super fresh All Americans, they super fresh All Canadians, they super fresh Why not to take up a rum and take up a soup and go on go hold Fresh! Take up a rum and take up a soup and go on go hold Fresh! One scotch, one burger, one beer Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee in Toll, world news on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, on Instagram, Moments with Me Media, and on YouTube, Moments with Me Media. Like, share, subscribe, and turn on your notifications. Oh, Lord, 
It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. Retro Thursdays, and we're doing it in dance hall days style. We're gonna be hearing songs from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. You're listening to Flora Gun, Jump and Shock Out. Right after this, we have business and tech news. Stay tuned. Red flag. Consumers are using buy now, pay later to cover everyday expenses. And this is courtesy of CNN Business. Buy now, pay later installment plans have become popular among consumers seeking to spread out the cost of big ticket purchases. But now rising prices have some cash strapped shoppers reaching for these alternative payment methods for everyday purchases, such as their daily coffee, gas station fill up or grocery run as well and that's a concern for economists and consumer advocates who say the surge in the use of these services coupled with a lack of transparency and little regulatory oversight leaves them wondering just how much debt americans are actually getting into while other household debt such as credit card spending and auto loans is gathered and tracked by the federal reserve Buy now, pay later, BNPL data is not included because the financing is typically provided by non-bank sources and not yet reported in a comprehensive manner to credit bureaus. That means there is no publicly available database of BNPL-related consumer debt levels, transaction volume, delinquency rates, and fees and interest charges. There's no question there's a big hope Whole, excuse me, in our understanding of people's financial situations. If you do not include buy now, pay later, said Matt Schultz, chief credit analyst for Lending Tree, and that's a problem for credit scoring companies, credit bureaus, and for lenders. <laughs> y'all think y'all slick, but it's a problem. Sit on one side with that. Red flags. From Affirm and Apple to PayPal and Zip, BNPL transactions are currently estimated to be at least $100 billion annually, a figure that analysts say could skyrocket to between $1 trillion to $4 trillion within a few years. These types of services split a purchase into four or more installment payments to be made over a period of few weeks or months. Customers can now open a new account for each transaction, or they can keep one account for all their purchases as long as they have made their payments on time. BNPL accounts are typically offered with zero or minimal interest and often come back without a credit card, without a hard credit check. To make money, the BNPL providers charge merchants between 1.5% to 7% of the transaction price. This is according to Kansas City Federal Reserve research. For some retailers, the costs are worth it. According to research from RBC Capital Markets, which showed online BNPL offerings boosted average ticket sales by 30% to 50% and increased the share of customers who ultimately made a purchase. 
Despite its rapid growth, BNPL has raised red flags for economists, regulators, and attorney general. They have cautioned that because the services are not regulated as credit products, it has resulted in a Wild West-style market with varying terms and conditions and few checks and balances. One significant downside is the risk of getting into debt fairly easily without realizing it, said Terry R. Bradford, a research specialist in payment systems for the Kansas City Federal Reserve. The installment process makes it seem like someone is paying practically nothing for the goods or service they're acquiring. So the possibility is that you could, in your mind, think of everything that you're buying in those four installments and, as a result, take on more debt than you would if you had to pay for them in full each and every time. The opportunity to stack your debt while by using multiple buy now, pay later loans through multiple service providers is one of the biggest risks I see. Uh, regulators are going to be concerned when it comes to credit bureaus, credit scoring companies, because they're looking at another way to slow the increase of your credit score. That's all it is. They want to have control over your credit score. And for them, the more things that are on your credit report is the more it can lag and take for you to build up. That, that's all. They just want to have control. Mind your business, folks. Amazon partners with Grubhub to offer Prime customers meal delivery perks. Amazon Prime members in the United States can now get free meal deliveries through Grubhub as part of a growing business partnership between the two companies. The deal announced Wednesday will give Amazon's paying subscribers the option to sign up for a free one-year Grubhub Plus membership, normally $9.99 a month, and receive unlimited free deliveries when they order from restaurants listed on the service. At the same time, Amazon could become a stakeholder in Grubhub's business. Amazon has the option to take a 2% stake in Grubhub with the possibility to acquire up to 15% if certain business performance conditions are met, according to an announcement from Grubhub's Netherlands-based parent company, just eat takeaway.com for amazon the tie-up has the potential to broaden the appeal of its prime service which now costs 139 dollars annually it also helps bolster its meal delivery efforts amazon announced in 2019 that it was shuttering its short-lived restaurant delivery service in the u.s that delivered food to prime members <laughs> interesting okay uber eats DoorDash, let's see how that's going to work out here. Elon Musk reported, I don't know why this is anybody's business. Um, Elon Musk reportedly had twins with a Neuralink executive. Elon Musk, the Tesla and SpaceX CEO and world's richest man, welcomed twins last year with an executive at one of his other companies, Neuralink Business Insider reported on Wednesday. Musk, who posted a tweet on May 24 saying USA birth rate has been below minimum sustainable levels for 50 years and pinned it to the top of his more than 100 million follower Twitter account, quietly fathered the children with Siobhan Zillis, who works for Musk at the company, which hopes to develop an implantable computer chip for the human brain, according to documents obtained by Business Insider. The outlet 
obtained court filings pertaining to changing the children's legal names to incorporate the Musk last name and Zillis is as part of the middle names. CNN Business could not independently confirm the contents of the documents, but a Travis County, Texas court docket obtained by CNN Business indicated that the name change petition was initially filed in April 2022 and granted in early May. Matching these dates or the dates on the documents published by Business Insider. Those documents contain the court's stamp as well as Musk's signature, listing him as the father and Zillis as the mother. Musk did not immediately respond to requests for comment sent to representatives at Tesla, SpaceX and Neuralink. So I guess he's doing his part to bring up the white population. And um, he lost one child now because... Um, a child had wants nothing to do with him, the transgender child, and he gained too. There you go, Musk. Way to do it. Continue doing your job. Mm-hmm. Build up your population. <laughs> Russia pockets $24 billion from selling energy to China and India. Russia. <laughs> you can't slow them down. Yep. Pocketed $24 million from selling energy to China and India in just three months following its invasion of Ukraine, showing higher global prices are limiting efforts by the U.S. and Europe to punish President Vladimir Putin. China spent $18.9 billion in Russian oil, gas, and coal in the three months to the end of May, almost double the amount a year earlier, latest customs data shows. Meanwhile, India shelled out $5.1 billion in the same period, more than five times the value of a year ago. That's an extra $13 billion in revenue from both countries compared to the same months in 2021. The higher spending is helping make up for decreased purchases from the U.S. and some other nations that have halted or slowed buying to punish Russia for the war. The bans have sent prices for alternative supplies soaring and spurred crippling inflation that threatens to send major economies into recession. China is already buying essentially everything that Russia can export via pipelines and Pacific ports, said Laurie, will not attempt the last name, who is a lead analyst at the Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air. Mm. India has been the main buyer of the cargoes out of the Atlantic that Europe doesn't want anymore. The spree is unlikely to end anytime soon, with energy prices much higher than they were at this time last year, even accounting for the steep discounts to global benchmarks Russia is offering to entice purchases. On a volume basis, China's imports continued to slow uptick in June, while India may have incentive to boost purchases even further in the coming months as a European Union ban on Russian oil takes effect. China and India still trail Europe as a block in terms of overall sales this year. Europe's purchases will continue to shrink, though, as import bans on coal and oil come into effect and as Russia cuts off gas supplies to some European buyers. Russia has long-standing trade and strategic relationships with China and India. And along with offering steep price discounts, is also accepting payments in local currency to help keep trade flows to the country strong this year. Russia ain't feeling nothing. They're, they're going about their business while the rest of us are here imposing sanctions and blase, blase, and we are feeling the effects can't even go to the gas pump without 
watching it as it ticks away, feeling as though you're being robbed by the gas pump. Supermarkets robbing you. Yeah, remember, remember I said the exact same thing a, a few months ago that, you know, with, with China and India still in relationship with Russia, mm -hmm. you're not going to feel anything. No, like, not. you know, China don't, um, Russia don't need um, North America or Europe to buy, to buy their thing because the two biggest population in the world is still going to buy. So they're, they're and you, you'd have to think that Putin, like, he's very strategic. So he's not going to start something that he know that he can't. It, it, it's not like North Korea, like where America can can shut you off um, and, and, and cripple your economy. Yeah. You know? Sure. So, yeah, they, you know what he's doing. <laughs> he's very You know smart. what he's doing. And, 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 and the thing too, like, you know, America needs to be careful because like even with, you know, as I said, the next takeover that China is going back for, um, for um, Taiwan or whatever in the next couple of years, um, America better be careful with that because everywhere you go in North America, every store you, you go into and you take up a product made in China. Yeah. I so said China it yesterday. Know, China knows already. So so when they go back to, to take over and America cannot get involved, you know, yeah. so they better start negotiating right now and 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 say, you know what? You have how many more years they have to go before China said you're going back to take it. Just negotiate and say, look, just take it. Without yeah. any killing, you know. Yeah. Because too much, too much life have, have been wasted, and billions of dollars. And Russia is not suffering. They're not suffering. They're not, not at all. So I think U.S. and NATO they need to go back to the drawing board. Uh quick check on the chat. Altada, no. Are we skipping by the fact that they're going to put computer chips in humans? I don't think they can enforce it in humans, Altada. But I would say he can start with his children. He has enough there to do um, testing with his children, make them the guinea pigs. I would never sign up myself or my family or anybody in my family to be a guinea pig. But um, you have people who are wanting to live forever. They can be my guest. Yeah. You know, so not skipping over it out of order, but in the interest of time, because I know we can deliberate on that forever. Um, he did say, if I am not mistaken, from an article months ago, that it was to help with people who were paralyzed. What, what what's the term? Um, I forgot the scientific term. Paraplegic. Yes, yes. Mm. But, but we know we we know what else, right, Altano? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the fact that um, once once he, a person like that starts with that kind of narrative, who knows what else the government's gonna kind of deals they're gonna make to the implant whatever in us in some kind of way. That's the that's what scares me. Yeah. Real so, quick before you come move on moments on that topic, one quick comment. Yes, yes. This is why it is so dangerous why Elon Musk acquire Twitter. Because he had years and years of data and every single community what he's learning understanding the program so he could move to anywhere he wants. Information is what's gonna get him there. So I'd my yeah all right thank you so much and in the interest of time we're gonna keep it moving this next story courtesy of um dj naturalist apple introduces lockdown mode to protect iphones from state-sponsored hacking apple announced a new feature 
for iPhones called lockdown mode on Wednesday to protect high-profile users such as politicians and activists against state-sponsored hackers. So it won't affect, well, unless any of you in here are high-profile, it won't affect us. Lockdown mode turns off several features on the iPhone in order to make it less vulnerable to spyware by significantly reducing the number of features that attackers can access and potentially hack. Specifically, it disables many preview features in iMessage, limits JavaScript on the Safari browser, prevents new configuration profiles from being installed, blocks wired connections, therefore preventing the device's data from being copied, and shuts down incoming Apple service requests, including FaceTime. The tech giant will pay up to $2 million to researchers who find a security flaw in lockdown mode hackers there is a legitimate way to make a dollar <laughs> okay in sports news biden speaks with wife of basketball star detained in russia but it seems as though i may have to sidestep that story because i just saw an alert from the shade room uh hold on let me see if i can pull it back up if it will allow me um, I know I just saw it. Bear with me, folks. One, yes, okay. So where she pleaded guilty, and we're talking about BG Britney, Britney Griner. Um, she arrived to court today. Okay. New images have been released of Britney Griner arriving to court on July seven, as previously reported. She pled guilty to drug charges, but made it clear. It was not her intention to break the law. She is expected to make a statement at the next hearing on July 14. Wow. Why? Why did she do that? I am so disappointed. Mm -mm -mm. I'm so disappointed. I was That's the reason why they kept her away from speaking to anybody. They yeah. were making her sweat. So, okay, here's the article, Associated Press Moscow, another one that just came out, courtesy of WSVN Miami. Jailed American basketball star Brittany Griner on Thursday pleaded guilty to drug possession and smuggling during her trial in Moscow, but said she had no intention of committing a crime, Russian news agencies reported. The reports quoted Griner as saying through an interpreter at the court hearing that she had acted unintentionally because she was packing in haste. Griner was detained in February at Moscow's airport after vape canisters with cannabis oil allegedly were found in her luggage. She faces up to 10 years in prison if convicted of large-scale transportation of drugs. The trial of the Phoenix Mercury star and two-time Olympic gold medalist began last week amid a growing chorus of calls for Washington to do more to secure her freedom nearly five months after her arrest. Before Thursday's hearing, Russian police escorted Griner handcuffed and clad in a bright red t-shirt and sports trousers into the courtroom past a crowd of journalists. The athlete was detained in February at Moscow's airport. Of course, we know how that goes. They don't need, they don't need to... Okay, so let me skip down to here. Russian Deputy Foreign Minister... Um, warned on Thursday that attempts by the American side to make noise in public do not help the practical settlement of issues. Did I not say that? Who did I say? Was it? To, I probably said it to Marlon. But I remember saying that the cries and the attempts and the noise on this side is not going to help. I, rem, I don't know if I said it on Coffee and Toe, but I know I said it to Marlon. 
Yeah. The White House said President Joe Biden called Griner's wife on Wednesday to assure her that he's doing all he can to obtain the athlete's release as soon as possible. They spoke after Biden read a letter from Griner in which she said she feared she would never return home. Washington has not made public its strategy in the case, and the United States may have little leverage with Moscow because of strong animosity due to Russia's military actions in Ukraine. The State Department has designated Griner as wrongfully detained, moving her case under the supervision of its special presidential envoy for hostage affairs, effectively the government's chief hostage negotiator. Asked about the possibility of Griner being swapped for a Russian jailed in the U.S., the senior Russian diplomat noted that until her trial is over, there are no formal or procedural reasons to talk about any further steps. He warned that U.S. criticism, including a description of Griner as wrongfully detained and dismissive comments about the Russian judicial system, makes it difficult to engage in detailed discussion of any possible exchanges wow ah marlon he's probably still sleeping i know i had this conversation marlon and i was it yesterday the day before we had this very conversation i think it was with marlon it wasn't in here i was sitting at the kitchen counter and i was like there is a reason for this there's too much interference there's too much noise and I, what I remember saying in here is that when LeBron stepped up and said, you know, they, they need to release, and I release her, and I said, stand down, LeBron. I remember. You can't, these Russians are not moved. And the wrong thing she did was to plead guilty. She just made it worse. Hold on, Dr. Daphne. Go ahead, Javette. Um, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry to she just made it worse for herself. Yes, she did. Cause, cause now we don't have, we we can't say it's wrongful. She just, she just admitted. Yeah, she did. She did. There's, I mean, what else can we do now? Nothing. It's so sad. That there's nothing else we can do. She's just gonna have to. Wow. Right out the ten years. Wow. I always tell my daughter, do not take a plea for anything. Forget that. Sorry, we gonna fight it till we fight it. Yeah, that's crazy. I feel so bad for her. I mean, it, we gotta watch what we bring to other countries. Yes. No, no, no. That's cool. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm so shocked. What can we? I'm say? sorry. That's I'm okay. I'm so sorry. What can we say? I feel bad for her. But you made you raised a valid point, Javette. And this was something Marlon and I also spoke about. We at all of us at some point have made decisions that go against our better judgment. And then we cry out for help, right? We have people rallying behind us. But I'm glad you pointed that out. Be careful what you take to other people's countries. You cannot be, and she said she was in a rush to pack. You cannot be in such a rush that you don't even realize you're going into other people's countries. Understand their laws and their bylaws, their rules and their regulations, their protocols. A lot of times we self-inflict 
things upon us. Just slow I down. She was leaving, though. No, I she was she going to Russia. She was go She landed in Russia because she plays there in the off season because they make more money there. Oh, go, go ahead, Doctor Daphne. I got two minutes. Go oh. right ahead. Oh, I thought it was okay. Go ahead, Doctor Daphne. I know you were trying to say something. Go ahead. I find these things to be very focused. It's usually women these people are catching. Okay. Yeah, I know she may have made it worse for herself, but you don't know what they're doing to her over there. Because you, you, when people are locked up and they play with your mind, you don't know whether she's guilty or not. We really have no idea what's going on with her, what's been done to her, how they play with her mind. But majority of the time, you hear these cases. It's usually women. It's usually women, so it's it's just unfortunate to me all the way around. So that's what I want to say about that. You want to make example when you want to when you bring some white men, then I'll take some of that stuff serious. But anytime they want to make an example, it's usually women. So whatever. Thank you for your comment, Doctor Daphne. Go ahead, O'Neill. I know two minutes. Go right ahead. No, I stand on. I stand on. Okay. Yeah. Um, I understand what you're saying, Doctor Daphne. I'll use it two minutes quickly. I understand what you're saying, but here's the thing. A lot of, you know what? I probably need to take Odile's stats and stand out. But our actions a lot of times put us in situations. Puts us in situations that could have been avoided if we had just been a little more careful. Let us say they forced her to confess let us say they forced her to take a plea deal it could have been avoided if it wasn't if it just wasn't in her luggage and i'm and i'm not saying that this is the case but i can't help but think is this something that has probably happened before and she got through or others have got through so they act on could it be? Uh, I, I, before yes, I, I comment. Go ahead, O'Neill, and Yeah, it's not personality driven, but I'll just say, what would the U.S. have done if Usain Bolt had um, weed? I don't know to cocaine, but he was traveling into the U.S. and they found. Um, cannabis oil, which is still illegal at the federal level in his luggage. Would they have pardoned him? And so I, I understand the emotional sentiment of Russia and, 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 and the athlete. O'Neill, are you there? Wrong is wrong. Okay, yeah. All I can say, yeah. Wrong is wrong, yeah. You're right, wrong is wrong. And you're right, we are emotional. We do feel sentimental about it. But we have to look at the facts that are presented before us. Right? And you made a valid point. And I think what I'm reading in between the lines, O'Neill, I'm going to say this and then I have to keep it moving, is that <laughs> level of importance. How valuable are you? Are you worth going to war for? I'm going to leave it right. I'm going to leave her. Was she worth it for the U.S. to go and fight for her? Probably if it was a LeBron James. 
Probably if it was Steph Curry. Probably if it was somebody that's considered more high profile, more would have been done. But what's her value? We have to take that into consideration too. Right? And it is time for Caribbean Corner. first story comes out of Haiti, a young Haitian designer of a sports car. Log on to Haiti.loopnews.com to see this article. Yeah, Claudie Mayo Francois, a young Haitian technician and entrepreneur, seduced Twitter on July 4 by presenting the prototype of a sports car he designed. It looks like a Formula One car mixed with um, go-kart racing. It's kind of a blend of both. Born in Cabaret, and having grown up in the plain of cul-de-sac, he experienced precariousness and suffering at a very young age like thousands of other Haitians. Claudimeo Francois, now 28, has just presented a sports car. He designed himself, the first from his company, Marcondal S. Francois likes to work out of sight so as not to be distracted, he says. Between the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, he carried out his first technological project, a multitasking machine used for planting. I invented it with the support of the company I work for, a machine that can plant both wheat, maize, and beans, unlike the one we used and one which only performed one task, he explained. His most recent project, a sports car that he presented on July 4, dazzled many users of Twitter who showered him with praise. In the words that accompany the photos of the vehicle, Francois indicates that he designed this project in order to highlight the intelligence of his Haitian compatriots. Well done, Francois, and let us lift him up, rally behind him, and encourage positive, positive things. More to come, I'm sure, and I'm sure more Haitians will be inspired, especially young people will be inspired and say, you know something, I can embark on my visions and might make them reality. And on to Jamaica for our next story, monkeypox confirmed in Jamaica. The Minister of Health and Wellness has confirmed the presence of monkeypox virus locally. The individual who has tested positive locally is a male who recently traveled from the United Kingdom. He presented to a public health health facility on July 5th and is now isolated and his close contacts quarantined after contract that should be contact tracing was done, disclosed Health and Wellness Minister Dr. Christopher Tufton at an emergency press conference on Wednesday. Monkeypox is a viral zoonotic disease that is spread primarily through animals. While person-to-person spread is uncommon, it may occur through direct contact with an individual who is infected. I think they also need to uh, get in touch with everybody who was on that flight from um, Europe and everyone that he came into contact with at the airport who was their shift. It is, I um, implore them, please get in touch with them so everyone can be isolated immediately. This is a follow-up to the story. I think we spoke about this. Was it yesterday or the day before? Um, why Popcorn was likely detained in the UK. 
So the Jamaica Constabulary Force has sought to clarify suggestions from dance hall star Popcorn that the Jamaican authorities had red flagged him in communication with British immigration authorities, resulting in his detention in the United Kingdom. In a statement on the matter, the JCF refuted the assertion and sought to establish the likely basis for the artist's continued challenges in traveling through the UK. Reports indicate that Popcorn has since been released from detention in Britain. In its statement on Wednesday afternoon, the JCF said it noted statements being made in the public domain which assert, imply or suggest that J- the Jamaican police caused international recording artist Popcorn, whose given name is Andre Sutherland, to be detained at an international airport in the United Kingdom. The JCF can confirm that Andre Sutherland was convicted in 2009 in Barbados for possession of marijuana and subsequently deported to Jamaica. He was again arrested in Barbados in 2011 for possession of cocaine. Arising from these arrests and other intelligence gathered, a green notice was generated by Interpol in relation to him in 2015. The notice was then reconfirmed by Interpol in 2018. A green notice provides Interpol members with a warning about a traveler's potential criminal activities, where the person may be considered a threat to public safety. Such a notice does not request any specific law enforcement action to be taken against the subject. It merely acts as an advisory to local law enforcement that the subject of the notice has been in contact with the law elsewhere. No stop order was placed on Mr. Sutherland by the government of Jamaica. Travelers may be subjected to secondary security screening at international airports for a variety of reasons, and these reasons fall completely within the purview of the local authorities in those respective jurisdictions. Self-inflicted. Yeah, he was held, so it's history. That's the reason why he is flagged, and the flag will not be removed until they see fit. So, in the UK, every time he goes there or traveling through there, this is what he's going to have to encounter. So, again, he's going to have to just prepare himself psychologically and know that he's going to have to spend some hours there. If he's en route to Africa and has to go through the UK, you know, probably plan to spend a couple of days there because this is the norm until they see Self-inflicted again. And the next story comes to us out of St. Lucia. Two St. Lucian delegates recently participated in a critical aspect of the implementation of the passport system in St. Lucia. And they are going to start with e-passports in July. Good for you. The two officials, Mr. Lucius Lake of the Border Control Agency of St. Lucia and Inspector Crescent Lionel of the Passport Office Immigration Department of the Royal St. Lucia Police Force, participated in the customer acceptance test, otherwise known as CAT, during the weeks of June 20, 2022. In 2021, the government of St. Lucia and the Canadian banknote company CBN entered into an agreement for the supply of e-passports and an e-passport issuance and control system solution. Immigration expert with the St. Lucia Border Control Agency, Mr. Lucius Lake, commented on the significance of the CBN's role 
in ruling out the e-passports, which will replace the existing machine-readable ones. He says the outgoing system was designed and implemented in 2007 and now provides the foundation for a seamless security upgrade to the e-passport system. Caribbean countries that have already begun issuing e-passports include Antigua and Barbuda, the Bahamas, Barbados, Belize, Dominica, Grenada, and St. Kitts and Nevis. Jamaica is set to launch its e-passport system in 2023. It's official in Trinidad and Tobago. Mask mandate ends July 17. From Sunday, July 17, members of the public can do away with masks as the country will officially end the mandate that was implemented to stem the spread of COVID-19. This was announced by Minister of Health Terence Dayal Singh, who was speaking at the MOH weekly media conference on Wednesday. The mandate still applies to visits to healthcare facilities, which includes hospitals and clinics. All right, so we're on the move. We are definitely getting back to normal. Everybody's flipping the switch, right? And our story out of Latin America, Texas migrant deaths highlight growing desperation in Guatemala. People are searching for opportunities. Families that spoke with Al Jazeera said that they hadn't and they have not received any support from the Guatemalan government, which has been slow to provide information on the recent tragedy where the uh, migrants were found in the back of the trailer. The Guatemalan foreign ministry told reporters that it would continue to work with families and U.S. authorities to identify the bodies. The continuing flow of migration has highlighted a growing desperation in Guatemala, driving children to set off for the U.S. in search of opportunities. The majority of children go to the United States, said a local teacher when speaking with Al Jazeera, noting that children as young as 12 years old are deciding to migrate. They finish sixth grade, but they do not want to continue studying because there is no work there. So it is better to take the chance and head north to the U.S. Approximately half of Guatemalans live in poverty with indigenous communities particularly affected, a situation made worse by the COVID-19 pandemic. The coronavirus crisis has had catastrophic consequences in terms of well-being because it is affecting prices at the general level. Most Guatemalans work in the informal sector where wages are extremely low, thus poverty is extremely high. And those are stories out of the Caribbean corner and Latin America. Coming up, we do have, believe it or not, news plus entertainment news. Here's a little bit more from a hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday Dance Hall Days Edition. All girls, I want to walk me to the max on this one, you know. Got this one a phone of Jesus Christ, want to look sweetie. Watch ya, have mercy. Oh, I don't see Coca-Cola back a shape I hit around the place Broke out, broke out, girl, you have the shape Coca-Cola back a shape I hit around the place Skin out, skin out, girl, you have the shape in the place Uptown, girl, I'm the shape in the place Downtown, girl, I'm the shape in the place London, girl, I'm the shape in the place New York, girl, I'm the shape in the place Canadian, girl, I'm the shape At them of the shape and I give man a date At them of the shape, make man body shake At them a fling bitch to and bust up man face At them of the shape Cause war in the place I just say Coca-Cola back a shape I hit around the place Broke out, 
out, girl, are you of the shape? Coca-Cola back a shape, I hit around the place. Skin out, skin out, girl, are you of the shape? When them a walk, it's like an earthquake. When them a run the old place, it a shake, but then get so much shape from Surrender with a lotion, pet and powder. With a powder, pet and lotion. This ear, anything this week. I don't in a wheelchair on the good of jump like a salary and kick like a meal. Then I go matter me, Miss Tina go kill. It's like a fabulous point, extra deal. Things don't found a sign, far from sign. You that's why no retreat, no surrender. With a lotion, pet and powder. We tell them no retreat, no surrender. With a lotion, pet and powder. To a man that left a little pipe I give you Yes, we say your brother you a wicked Something happy you hold up and stick up Where you a deal with And I check with people I give them nine days to leave police Wanting for this, them wanting for that Them wanting for the man with them a hill top And it's a big man, you better think first To you are Them are the done to the beast. We have the key, put the done to the key and turn him in a donkey. Yes, them are the done to the beast. We have the key, put the done to the key and turn him in a donkey. Who the thing they are, yes, they can't allow me. I am the general in the DJ army. Who not only I am cross all the thing and sit on the gun, them tickle fancy. And anywhere we go, y'all gone crazy. Listen, ling a ling a ling, school bell a ring, knife and fork a fine for dumpling. Ranking, some of ranking disappear with your man and the man chinto. The man is done to the It is not word I'm out Got to hold your look good You make me have to scream out It look like your man would go spoon in a yo Got to hold your look good You make me have to ball out It look like your man would go spoon in a yo Watch out now At your at your at In a yo own a frack At your at your at Tell a girl dress back At your at your at In a yo own a frack At your at your at You know about that Just a 
Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments. That's M I Media Moments. On Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on youtube moments with me media like share subscribe and turn on your notifications it is hashtag tbt throwback thursday retro thursdays and we're doing it in dance hall days style you're hearing songs from the 80s 90s and early 2000s and it is time for believe it or not news I don't know if this next article should be a surprise to any of us. I don't know. The owner of a funeral home in Colorado admits to illegally selling body parts gave families phony ashes. Yeah. And this selling of the body parts was done without the approval of grieving family members. On Tuesday, Megan Hess admitted in federal court to scamming at least a dozen families who paid to have their deceased loved ones cremated. Hess reportedly ran the Sunset Mesa Funeral Home in Montrose and a human body parts company called Donor Services out of the exact location. According to court documents, she removed the heads, spines, arms and legs from the bodies instead of cremating them before selling them. The prosecution is seeking a sentence of 12 to 15 years in prison for Hess, who had pleaded not guilty in 2020. Her defense has requested a lesser sentence of two years. She's currently out on bail. Initially, Hess and her mother, Shirley, established the Sunset Mesa Funeral Foundation in 2009 as a non-profit donor services organization. This body broker service operated out of the funeral home and sold body parts to third parties, primarily for surgical training and other educational purposes. It is believed that the duo collected thousands of dollars in fees from customers for cremations that never occurred. According to court documents, has targeted marginalized families struggling while making arrangements for the death of a loved one. In exchange for a body donation, she also provided free cremations. According to prosecutors, many families received cremated remains mixed with other people's ashes. One client was given concrete mix rather than their loved one's remains. Federal authorities discovered that Hess had falsified dozens of consent forms for body donors. According to court filings, a former employee said she made $40,000 by removing and selling the gold teeth of some of the deceased. Federal law does not restrict the sale of corpses and body parts for use in research or teaching, even though it is prohibited to sell organs like hearts and kidneys and tendons for transplant in the United States. Ouch. May they haunt you for the rest of your life. May those souls, those spirits haunt you day in, day out. May you never have a night of rest. May you be miserable. 
you are wicked. Tell us how you really feel, moment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you were from Haiti, they're going to tell you which for putting spell on there. Yes. <laughs> if I was in Jamaica, my carrier got St. Thomas. I was born in St. Thomas, so I'm allowed to say that. Yes, right at Morant Bay Hospital. That's where I was born, so I can say that. Yeah. But, Mommy, <laughs> did, didn't you say that this place was a funeral home as well as a body part service? Yes. About, yeah. So, me, as the intelligent person that I am, <laughs> would not have used them. But, but you know I what? I would not have used them. You know what happened to them, Javette? To be poor is a crime. Let me just say that again. Poverty is a crime. And she targeted marginalized families who were struggling. We know funerals are expensive. We know not everyone has their business in order prior to death. For some, not you didn't get the chance to because death came unexpected. And we all need to live that way. Death is unexpected. We can blink our eyes and be alive this minute, next minute. We don't know what's going to happen. We take life for granted. But she targeted marginalized families. She knew exactly what she was doing. She took advantage of the poor, the disenfranchised, people who are struggling to bury their loved ones or cremate their loved ones. That's what she did. She's a wicked... <clears throat> <clears throat> I hope when she closes her eyes, even if it's just a blink, she sees these people. May their ancestors haunt her for the rest of her days. And I want her to live long. I want her to live into her 90s. Yes. I want her to live long so she can. You know what? Let me stop and behave myself. Let me behave myself. I like this out of you moment. <laughs> The real Caribbean will show up. <laughs> it will show up. Yes. <laughs> Under the right circumstances. Under the right circumstances. That but is correct. After we laugh. <laughs> I hope those of us who have the mean to set up our life properly will listen to this story right now and get it done. Because people always take advantage or disadvantage. It's like we are a lab for everything. We're just like the world rich folks or manipulative people lab. Anything they want to test, they want to do, they come to these type of people. It's just unbelievable to me. You know what just came through my mind? And Lord, forgive me for this one. And then I have to move on. The gold teeth that she removed from the corpse. Can you imagine it in someone else's mouth? <laughs> You're chewing the gold teeth of somebody else. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, can you imagine? You are... <laughs> Sorry, Lord, forgive me. My thoughts are not pure. You know what? Please forgive me, Lord. I, for... <laughs> I confess my sins. My thoughts are not right. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just imagine. I, I, I need to move on. I need to move on. Rosolo, please leave me alone in the text messages. Please stop. Um, entertainment news. Chair star Jerry Harris sentenced to 12 years in prison in child sex abuse case. Jerry Harris, a star of the hit Netflix.
Netflix docuseries Chair, was sentenced Tuesday to 12 years in prison in his sex crimes case. Federal prosecutors say the 22-year-old solicited sex from minors and pressured young boys to send him nude photos and videos. Back in February, Harris pleaded guilty to two of seven felony counts against him. One for sexually assaulting a 15-year-old in the bathroom at a cheerleading competition, and the other for paying a 17-year-old to send him sexually explicit photos and videos for money via Snapchat. He also admitted to similar acts with other underaged individuals. However, prosecutors agreed to drop the remaining five counts under a plea agreement. Harris was arrested in September 2020 after the FBI began investigating him in 2019. The leader was a breakout star in Netflix's chair, which debuted on the streaming platform in 2020. Details of his legal drama were recounted in the series' second season, which was released earlier this year. And jurors found a 32-year-old man guilty of first-degree murder Wednesday for the 2019 fatal shooting of rapper Nipsey Hussle. The Los Angeles County jury also found Eric R. Holder Jr. guilty of two counts of attempted voluntary manslaughter instead of two attempted murder counts as prosecutors had sought for two other men who were hit by gunfire at the scene. Holder, wearing a blue suit and face mask, stood up in the small courtroom next to his lawyer as the verdict was read. He had no visible reaction. Jurors deliberated for about six hours over two days before reaching the verdict. The verdict brings to an end a legal saga that has lasted more than three years and a trial that was often delayed because of the pandemic. Holder and Hustle had known each other for years. They grew up members of the same South Los Angeles street gang. When a chance meeting outside the rapper's Los Angeles clothing store led to the shooting and his death. The evidence against Holder was overwhelming from eyewitnesses to surveillance cameras from local businesses that captured his arrival, the shooting and his departure. His attorney did not even deny that he was the shooter, but urged jurors to find him guilty of the lesser charge of balance voluntary manslaughter the shooting followed a conversation the two men had about rumors that holder had been acting as an informant for authorities holder's lawyer aaron jansen said that being publicly accused of being a snitch by a person as prominent as hustle brought on a heat of passion in holder that made him not guilty of first-degree murder. This is a provocation that stirs up rage and powerful emotion, Jansen told jurors on Thursday. Deputy District Attorney John McKinney argued during the trial that Holder and everyone else in the conversation that preceded Hustle's death were so calm that the snitching conversation could not have been the primary motive and that Holder must have had some previous envy or hatred for Hustle. I'm going to tell you this much. Only your friends know your secrets. Only your friends can reveal it. Keep your, they say keep your, watch your enemies is your friends you need to watch because they are your enemies. Best believe that. Pretend to be there with you, but really and truly, they are against you. Be very careful. Don't be afraid to keep people at arm's length if you have that gut feeling that something isn't right about them. Don't ever be afraid. Protect yourself. Protect your circle.
a quick moment with me. Stay away from those people who try to dis disparage or disparage your ambitions, rather. Small minds will always do that. But great minds will give you a feeling that you can become great too. Well, let me say that again. Stay away from those people who try to disparage your ambitions. Mark Twain. Sexy girl, I'm out of them timing. No, no, hey, no, hey, fever. All American girl in the fever, boy. Yes, fever. All the English girl in the fever. Ah, ah, we can't get down out of fever. Thank you to all our listeners who tuned in on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. QNZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments With Me, and you were listening to Coffee Into World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments. That's M I Media Moments on Instagram, Moments with Me Media, and on YouTube, Moments with Me Media. Like, share, subscribe, and turn on your notifications. As always, great conversation, shared views, varying opinions, and interesting perspectives. And here's what's coming up later on today on JohnNoRadio.com. Blitz Thursday with DJ Lankymatic at 2 p.m. Then it's Takeover Thursday with DJ Indu at 4 p.m. Eastern. And then tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, it's Musical Chairs with DJ Reds. I'm not so sure if DJ Reds is going to be on tonight. I know today's his wife's birthday. Happy birthday to you, Shar Shar. Don't forget to download that the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O, available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks. Whatever you do, wherever you go, I do ask that you please be safe. Look forward to seeing you here tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Remember, it's also the Friday Mix, the summer party series that happens tomorrow. Ladies, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to Jano Radio. Jano Radio. We are we are we are online 24/7. We 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 hope you enjoyed the show. Bye bye.